Chapter Five of the Shadow of Victory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Shadow of Victory by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Five: The First Flower of Spring. There was a report like a pistol shot from the ice in the river, followed by others at short intervals. That means for us to get out the boat," said Mackenzie to Chateaunay's. Only one of the boats stored in the trader's barn was worthy of the name. It was a large bateau, capable of accommodating a dozen people and a small amount of baggage. The others were pirogues, or logs trimmed at the ends and hollowed out in the center. One person might be negatively comfortable, but two crowded the small craft to the danger point. A pirogue furnished the ordinary means of communication with the fort, and two or three were fastened to a sapling on the other side of the stream. There was also a good boat, belonging to the fort, which would hold five or six people. The bateau was used for carrying freight between the fort, the agency house, and Mackenzie's. The river was a narrow, deep, weedy channel with a very slight fall, and a large sandbar stretched across the mouth of it. In summer, one could stand at the end of the broad piazza in front of the house and see the Indians in their light canoes pass the sandbar at will, go down into the lake, and return upstream. Gradually, the river filled with great masses of ice, which moved lazily in a circle at the whim of some concealed current, or drifted gently toward the mouth of the stream. For several days there was no communication with the fort, then Mackenzie broke the ice jam at the bar, and by the middle of March a boat could easily cross. Seemingly by preconcerted arrangement, the pack trains arrived during the last week of March. Twenty horses came from the Illinois and Kankakee districts, and seventeen from the Rock River, loaded with skins. For a year the Indians in the Mississippi Valley had exchanged peltries for provisions, beads, and liquor. Five Canadian engagés, worth rude camping outfits strapped to their backs, walked in leisurely fashion beside the horses. The skins were stored in the agency house, awaiting the schooner from the American Fur Company at Fort Mackinac. The horses were tethered on the plains near the fort, and business was carried on there, except at mealtime, when eight hungry men and four children taxed Mrs. Mackenzie's strength to the utmost. Three days later the schooner was sighted, bearing down from the north, and as it was practically the only event of the year, the settlement went in force to the lake shore to see it come in. A corporal's guard, bitterly complaining, was left at the fort. With the wind filling her sails, the ship steered southwest until she reached a point exactly opposite the mouth of the river, then turned swiftly, like a bird, and came toward the cheering crowd on shore. The waves broke in foam upon her keel, and amid the shouts of command and welcome and the clatter of the rigging came the song of a voyageur in a clear, high tenor which won a separate recognition. "'More men to feed,' sighed Mrs. Mackenzie. "'Never mind, Aunt Eleanor,' said Forsyth. "'I'm going to help you.' "'Me too, me too,' cried the children.' Mrs. Howard and Mrs. Franklin promptly offered their service, and Ronald put an affectionate arm about her waist. "'Don't bother, Aunt Eleanor,' he said. "'You've got me.' Forsyth was surprised at the speech, and still more astonished when the ensign made it good during the hard days that followed. He tied a big blue apron under his arms, unmindful of its ridiculous flapping about his knees, set his cap on the back of his head, rolled up his sleeves, and announced that he was ready for work. Forsyth helped him split wood, bring water, make fire, and wash dishes until his head swam with weariness, but through it all Ronald was serene and untroubled, keeping up a cheery whistle and a fusillade of comment and observation which lightened the situation exceedingly. 
mrs mackenzie found herself taking orders from the young soldier who was the self-constituted master of the cuisine and learned to obey without question even when she was sent to her easy chair early in the morning and kept there during the greater part of the day mrs howard and mrs franklin were unceremoniously put out kitty and mamie pleaded the ensign in an aggravating falsetto will you please run home your mother has enough to feed without your trotting into meals he accompanied the request with a threatening wave of a spoon filled with pancake batter which had the desired effect there he said i finally chased them out i do hate to have women bothering around me don't you rob i've never been bothered laughed forsyth at least not in that way swiftly upon the heels of the schooner came the boats from milwaukee the cargoes were landed on the lake shore and taken to the agency by the pack horses all day the patient beasts plodded to and fro carrying furs to the shore and provisions blankets calicoes prints and a thousand other things to the storehouse the small boats from the ship plied back and forth landing the cargo and taking back peltries and the men worked from sunrise to sunset an unusual amount of friction developed between the several engages and voyageurs and various disputes were settled on the spot with bare fists chadonnais had a rare talent for getting into trouble and few indeed were the fights in which he did not eventually take a leading part shan said mackenzie at length you ain't paid to fight but to work and if there's any more of this i'll send you to one of the other posts this threat was always effectual for some reason which the trader did not seek to know at last the tired horses finished their task and every skin was in the hold of the schooner the agency house was filled to bursting with the materials of trade and a small but precious hoard of gold pieces representing the balance in his favor was hidden in mackenzie's leather belt there was a day of rest for everybody except mrs mackenzie and her assistants then chadonnais surprised the trader by a demand for his year's wages why shan exclaimed mackenzie don't you want me to keep it for you as i've been a-doin the half-breed shook his head sullenly well it's yours and you can do just as you please with it but i guess you'll be sorry for it later mind now this is all till next year you don't get any advance shan agreed and mackenzie called robert to witness the transaction five shining ten-dollar gold pieces were counted into a grimy paw that closed upon them quickly as if in fear fifty dollars and found mackenzie explained to robert as chadonnais went away i don't grudge it neither for he's a good boy when he ain't fightin the schooner was lying by for a favoring wind and the pack trains were waiting to give the horses a needed rest mackenzie had made an equitable division of the stores at the agency and each of the engagés knew exactly what he was to take back with him and the approximate value of each article in terms of peltries during the day liquor flowed freely and at night there was a barbecue on the lake shore a young ox was roasted whole in front of a huge fire which could be seen for miles around forsyth and the mackenzies with their four children and the officers and men from the fort with their wives and families sat around on the sand and took part in the celebration a single sentinel patrolled the fort cursing his luck and a few stray indians watched the festive scenes from afar chadonnais had his violin and the fine tenor of the voyageur was lifted in song old french chansons and garbled melodies of the day the strings of the fiddle were twanged in delicate accompaniment until the singer struck up yankee doodle which owing to the french accent and the peculiar distortion of the tune was taken by the company as a humorous performance the men ate hungrily and at last even ronald was satisfied then a sudden thought struck him and he went over to speak to captain franklin good-bye everybody he shouted where are you going asked forsyth i'm going back to relieve that poor devil at the fort in spite of a chorus of protests he went and the lone sentry appeared presently grinning from ear to ear to feast and revel while his superior officer kept guard with a bayonet over his shoulder 
it was such trifles as this which endeared ronald to the soldiers there was not a man in barracks who would not have followed him cheerfully to certain death the fire died down and some of the men slept peacefully on the sand while others yawned openly chardonnay improvised a weird melody which was strangely out of keeping there was something uncanny in the air which accorded ill with the festival and it seemed only fitting and proper when mad margaret materialized from the outer darkness and came into the centre of the group a hush came over the company and some of the newcomers who had heard wild tales of margaret were secretly afraid chardonnay's kept on playing and she watched him with wide wondering eyes for a long time the magic of the strings kept her quiet then she began to mutter to herself uneasily margaret said mackenzie gently come here chardonnay's threw down his violin with a gesture of impatience beckoned to the singer and walked away rapidly the voyageur rose lazily yawned and followed him with seeming indifference margaret's eyes were shining like the live coals which gleamed in the ashes she leaned forward and picked up the violin stroking it and crooning to it as if it were a child margaret said mackenzie again come here she went to him with a dog-like unquestioning obedience and sat down in front of him mrs mackenzie was next to her husband with the baby in her lap and mrs howard sat on her mother's left the lieutenant was talking with forsyth and the captain and at a little distance on mackenzie's right sat dr norton a sharp cry came from the violin where margaret's fingers tightened on the strings i see blood she said much blood then fire and afterward peace no one spoke and margaret mumbled to herself then pounced upon katherine she took her by the shoulders and shook her roughly you will have your heart's desire she cried at the time of the blood but sorrow will come with it before anyone else had time to move dr norton caught margaret and pulled her away oh she shrieked shaking her fist in his face the red death has its fingers at your throat mackenzie picked up the violin found the bow in the darkness and began to play rudely enough it is true but in some semblance of rhythm margaret quieted almost immediately and sat down in front of him rocking back and forth in time with the faltering tune aunt eleanor said forsyth over her shoulder don't you think i better take the children home yes please if you will she put the sleeping baby into his arms woke maria indiana and directed ellen and johnny to go with cousin rob the procession moved slowly for the baby was heavy and the other children were inclined to linger mad margaret had a terrible fascination for them as they passed a grove of cottonwoods angry voices came from the thicket in a mongrel french which had but little in common with that robert had learned at yale it is abominable cried chandonnais it is too much so laughed the other mockingly and only last year you told me you would pay the price a year's wages for a common crucifix it is no common crucifix it is of solid silver and it is from the old mission where it was blessed by pere marquette himself how do you know the good father told me so it has been blessed by pere marquette and by all the holy men who have come after him it will cure disease and keep from all harm well sighed chandonnais i'll take it robert heard the clink of the half-breed's hard-earned gold and wondered whether he had spent the whole of it for a cross the next day the prevailing wind of summer blew warm and strong from the southwest and the sails of the schooner filled as if in anticipation robert thought of the hardy romans in the aeneid when the breezes called their sails as once again the people gathered on the shore letters and messages to friends at fort mackinaw together with many trifling gifts were pressed upon the crew a long line of foam lay upon the turquoise water when out in the sunlit distance the ship turned to the north and hands were waved in farewell long after the others had ceased to see the mackenzies were glad it was over even though a long year was to pass without communication with the outside world but others were sorry chardonnay's was noncommittal and hummed to himself the song of the voyageur 
the pack trains were loaded the patient horses bending under a heavier burden than they had brought the boat started to milwaukee after all of the engagés had been given another round of liquor and a pack train followed them north on land the others silhouetted against the setting sun went west over the unbroken prairie the drowsy tinkle of the bells died away in a silvery murmur and peace lay on fort dearborn at the end of the week there was a diversion which was entirely unexpected as most real diversions contrive to be mrs mackenzie was in the garden planting flower seeds when soft footsteps sounded on the bare earth beside her and a sweet voice said how do you do aunt eleanor why beatrice exclaimed mrs mackenzie kissing her warmly where did you come from from fort wayne with captain wells he's across the river i rode over by myself i was so afraid you'd see me coming and wouldn't be surprised my dear i'm so glad maybe you won't be when i tell you i've come to live with you aunt eleanor that makes me happier still said mrs mackenzie in her stately way you are welcome thank you auntie but i haven't come to be a burden to you and i trust i never shall be if i'm ever a trouble i want you to tell me so and send me away in the first place i have fought most terribly with my aunt and uncle at fort wayne they don't know i've come why my dear how could you oh they know it now said beatrice laconically with her head on one side if they don't the suspense will do them good anyhow they know i'm not there and that's enough you know i have a little income of my own auntie so i'm not dependent upon any one and i'm going to pay my board if you won't let me she continued warningly seeing disapproval on mrs mackenzie's kindly face i'm going back with captain wells to-morrow so now i'll let you do anything you want to dear if you'll only stay with me i have needed a grown daughter ever since katherine was married then it's all arranged and i'll stay with you forever i know i never could fight with you here comes your uncle the trader beamed with delight when beatrice cast herself upon him and kissed him twice i've come to live with you she said and i've just fixed it with aunt eleanor captain wells is over at the fort with the soldiers we brought ten with us it was quite an army and the captain kept up military discipline all along the trail with me for first lieutenant they're going to stay at the fort and i'm going to stay here she pirouetted around him in high spirits you're welcome bee but how did it happen i fought explained beatrice carelessly they told me what i should do and what i shouldn't nobody ever says must to me if you ever want me to do anything you'll have to say please would you mind going over to the fort after my things uncle i've got a big box with all my worldly goods inside of it mackenzie went for men always did as beatrice suggested come in dear said her aunt you can have the east room so you'll get the morning sun how sweet you are aunt eleanor murmured the girl with her arms thrown round the other's shoulder for she was even taller than mrs mackenzie her face had the deep creamy tint which sometimes goes with violet eyes and brown hair with auburn lights in it beneath a short nose tilted ever so slightly was the most bewitching mouth in the world small and perfect in shape dangerously curved and full of a darling coquetry when she smiled one saw that her teeth were small and white and absolutely even but soon forgot that minor detail at first glance no one would have called her pretty she was like something beautiful which must be studied before it is appreciated the arrival of the visitor had effectually broken up the school tuzen b tuzen b crowed maria indiana delightedly you darling cried beatrice catching the child in her arms have you remembered me a whole year robert was introduced as a cousin on the other side of the house and he bent gravely over the girl's hand are we truly cousins she asked there was a confused silence then robert found his tongue i trust we are he said with an air of a gentleman of the old school for you are the first flower of spring the door burst open and ronald entered 
"'What do you think?' he shouted. "'We've got troops. Captain Wells has brought ten soldiers to the fort.' "'Miss Manning,' said Mrs. Mackenzie, "'let me present Ensign George Ronald of Fort Dearborn.' Beatrice bowed, but he stared at her for an instant, then brought his heels together and raised his hand to his forehead in military salute. There was an awkward instant, then the deep crimson dyed the ensign's face. He turned and bolted. From the window Beatrice saw him, in a pirogue, pulling back to the fort as if his life depended upon it. Then she laughed, a deep, sweet, vibrant laugh that thrilled Robert to the very depths of his soul. End of chapter 5